Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Postman and Capitola, a few other people have uh, weighed in here on the Xfinity Mobile text line and said, wait a minute, but Kevin Love and Clay Thompson... Kind of boys from childhood. They're friends. Hey, that's a helpful recruiting tool. But I don't know if that's going to be the difference maker for Kevin Love. I really like Clay Thompson. It would be amazing to finally see the two biggest, like one of the biggest trades the Warriors never made was a possibility for Clay Thompson for Kevin Love. I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to say I was on the wrong side of history in that argument. I actually was thinking to myself, yeah, I might make that deal because it's a lot harder to find a guy with Kevin Love's skill than Clay Thompson's skill. Turns out that it's much harder to find Clay Thompson's skill of off-ball defender and shooter. Yeah, well, we, I didn't think we had any idea that Clay Thompson was going to like really no, make an argument for I could be the second best shooter of all time and I'm a really good defender where Kevin Love was, you know, like a walking 20 and 18 at that point in his life. So, but also gave up 20 and 18. He wouldn't, he wouldn't give up those 18 rebounds, but the 20, yeah, he did good though. So, yeah. uh, this is Bob and Marin. Bob, thank you for the call. Thank you for listening. You're on with Damon and Ratto. Hey, thanks guys. Uh, enjoying the show. Uh, tremendous job. Can't wait to listen to Tim Kirchin later. Well, thank you. Uh, I just want to talk about. The, the Warriors. Uh, I think there's a lot of calls. Every single time I'm on the road, I listen to this radio station and people call in and talk about how the system needs to change or the Warriors need to do this or they messed up in the front office or the James Wiseman trade was not a good trade. They should have made him play more minutes. Like All of that is not going to happen. And I think we're just very lucky to have four championships in, in the eight years that they've made this run. And everything comes to an end but it comes to an end with the one single most important player in a dynasty. And that has been, in the past, three dynasties that we've seen. It's been Michael Jordan, it's been Kobe Bryant, it's been Tim Duncan. Until those players retire, nothing changes. This is about Steph Curry. We're not gonna change systems. We're not gonna bring guys in. They're gonna dictate terms on how Steph's gonna play ball. This is about playing defense. Once they figure that out, once Andrew gets his legs back, and when Clay starts to move a little bit on the on the defensive side, they will become that team that everybody fears to play seven times. It's not going to happen. So let's just gear up. Let's just go because after this, this team's going to shape up to be the team that we want it to be. Bob, uh, uh, Bob and Marin, I hope you're right. Like I, I there, there's a part of me that wants to give this organization the benefit of the doubt that tells me my own naked eyes are going to be wrong, that there really is, and Bob Myers talked about this, there there really will be a switch that they flip, and when we get to brass tax time, second day in a row of referencing brass tax, when we get to brass tax time, they're going to be the team to beat once again because nobody's ever officially knocked them out of the postseason, Steph, Clay, and Dre together. Bob Myers. That's the thing you find out, because in the playoffs, there's no resting. You're getting maximum effort. You're getting maximum effort from the coaching staff. You, you know, you're attacking matchups. You're finding all the weaknesses. Um, not indifferent than any sport. I mean, in baseball playoffs, all of a sudden, it's two to one, and the pitcher's going eight innings instead of six, um, and you're pinch hitting and trying to trying to find every tiny angle. You see in the playoffs, 39 minutes instead of 33. It's a huge difference to have a star on the floor for that amount of time. But 
I shouldn't be talking about the playoffs as if that's preordained. We got to get to the playoffs before any of those questions are answered and hopefully have a good seed. And that's the focus for the next, I think, what, 20, 24 games. We'll all find out. And I think we'll know quickly. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about a, a series. You hop into it. And even though the games aren't necessarily connected, you're going to get a feel for whether the Warriors are like, oh, what do you know? They they did go to DEFCON 1, and the war is now underway. Or it's going to be obvious that they are, they don't have enough armory. You know, they don't, they don't have enough. They don't have enough defensively to hang with other teams who will be refocusing and cranking. Look at it this way. If the Warriors are taking this year a little bit casually, it's probably not it's not that far of a leap ray to say that other teams are taking it casually a little bit. You know, not only the defending champ might be taking this year a little casually, if the Warriors are giving up 130 every single time you look up and other teams are taking them casually, what happens when other teams start focusing on cooking the Warriors defensively? What's that, 145 a night? I mean... So the focus of the playoffs isn't only working in the Warriors' favor. It can work against them, too. Oh, no. I mean, it's the idea that all of a sudden a team that's on the fringes of the play-in are all of a sudden going to become indomitable are damned unlikely. I mean, because the first 58 games give you a pretty good idea of what you are fundamentally. That doesn't mean that the Warriors, and maybe the Warriors would be an exception here because they have the muscle memory of having won before. But they've never won a championship by coming off the pace. They've always gotten off to great starts, and they've either dominated or they've held serve. And their success on the road has defined them. There is no success on the road to be found at all this year. Not for anybody, almost. I mean that's but especially for them. Yeah, no, they've been they well, they've been profoundly bad on the road, but I don't think it's the bad games that define them. I think it's the inconsistent games where you think, "Oh, we got somebody easy. We can we can do this." And then they don't. And then the next night they've got somebody tough and they impress the hell out of you. And then the two nights after that, they have somebody else tough and you think, "Well, now they've shown they can do this." And then they get boat raced. It's just, you literally have no idea from night to night what you're getting out of them. It's not like they are consistently bad at anything or consistently re- great at anything. They are a complete mystery every night. They're a total blank slate. And I think it, that is the most frustrating thing about them is before you could rely on certain truths about the Warriors. You can't rely about nearly anything about them now. You can rely on Curry. You can rely on Green to be exceptional defensively. After that, what's the sure thing? Looney. That's the third sure thing, which I always forget. But after that, do you know what you're getting? No. Would you bet five bucks one way or another on any player doing X on any one game? No. Not unless you hate money. Well, the whole thing is a coin flip. I mean, they were a sunk three and two Kaminga free throws away from coming in dead even in terms of points surrendered, points scored so far through 59 games. Anthony Slater pointed it out. 6,878 points scored, 6,873 points allowed. They're five points away from being as even Stevens as you can get. Again, they've never been three games better than above 500. They've never been more than four games below 500. They've never had a winning streak that's gone more than five games. No peaks and valleys. It's all flat line. They're not extremely good. They're not extremely bad. They're just kind of always in the middle, and in the middle's a tough place to exist, especially in the NBA. This is Mark in San Francisco. Mark, what do you got? Oh, hey. Um, question for uh, Ray and, and you too, man. Um, who works harder on defense, Steph or Jordan? Uh, I, I, I think that Steph Curry has officially earned the answer there, even if it might not be necessarily all the way true. I don't think Jordan Poole 
isn't working hard defensively, I just don't think he's very good at it. I think Jordan Poole's been playing defense for about three years of his life. He was a hot dog at Michigan. He was a hot dog coming out of high school. He was a hot dog early on in his career. And playing defense is it's something he needs to be constantly reminded about. I mean, at least that's what the message from his teammates and his coaching staff seem to be over and over and over again. He can lose focus at times. He has to be refocused. Yeah, I don't think Curry has to be refocused on defense. He has limitations, and he's benefited over the larger part of his career from having Thompson next to him and Green behind him. But I don't think you look at him and say, he's taken this possession off. I mean, he'll get beat on stuff, but it's not because he's decided, eh, I'll just wait till I get the ball back. So yeah, I, the, I think the answer to that is Curry is better. Uh, we have... Much more coming up. Don't you go anywhere. Tim Kirkjian in about a half an hour, a little bit more than that from right now. When we come on back, a few more calls. We've got a couple people waiting patiently. We certainly appreciate that. We're going to come take your call. And then we got some future to discuss. A little future of football. That's around the corner, too. A little baseball around the corner with Tim Kirkchin starting at 445. So don't you go anywhere. Damon and Ratto, uh, subscribe, click. You'll be happy you did to odyssey.com. That's the app. You can find everything we do there. Everything we do goes up on YouTube. You all know that by now. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. So we got a little uh, future of football to discuss. Not only the local team, but the sport itself. And a man who could play a huge role in the 49ers' future actually gave uh, an interview on a podcast today. So we'll be hearing from Trey Lance here in just a minute. But right now, we're going to hear from you. If you've been waiting on hold, appreciate it. This is Ryan in San Francisco back here on Damon and Ratto. Ryan, what do you got? Um, I just wanted to get my thoughts on that uh, Kevin Love, which is cool. I mean, he's a good shooter. He's a good rebounder. But do we really have enough to convince him to come to us? And um, 
you know, talk about the the Warriors. We're, they're a good team. It's just we we need to play defense. We that that's like the only way we're going to get out of this is everyone needs to play defense as a team. And that's my only thought to give you guys. Yeah, no, look, there really is. I mean, it doesn't matter who you add on the buyout market. doesn't matter what new wrinkle the coaching staff could possibly concoct. It, it, it's, it's going to take a collectively more focused team to the details of defense for anything to go anywhere this year. Based on what we've seen so far... Doesn't look like it's about to happen. But if there's ever a team in the history of the sports that we've covered out here together that has earned the benefit of the doubt, it's this one. We'll see. You know, they just got the egg on their face that any team would have when you're pivoting away from as big of a future plan and idea that James Wiseman represented. But it does not mean the franchise has collapsed in upon itself and is now surrounded with nothing but problems and incompetence. Not even close. It's been a rough week. They really need this All-Star break. And we'll see what the next 24 games look like. And if they find themselves in the postseason, what an interesting first-round matchup that is. Yeah, I you know, look, the, the only reason not to bury them is their history. Because right now they are producing the kind of results that you would expect from the Atlanta Hawks, a team that doesn't have history. Uh, you know, they are the other team playing 500 basketball in this league. But the Western Conference is full of about like eight teams that in two days could be playing 500 basketball too. So they're, they're not lost because there are a bunch of teams like them around them. But they're, the the reason why it looks worse for them than a lot of other teams is because they're coming off a high of a year ago. I mean, they're they're hardly different than the New Orleans Pelicans. But the Pelicans, you can point to one thing that makes them mediocre, and that's no Zion Williamson. You can look at Minnesota, which has essentially also has the same record, and you go, well, how did that go bad? Well... Because they traded for Rudy Gobert and they didn't know what to do with him. Well, Carl Anthony Towns has been hurt too all year. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, they're the ones, you know, I mean, and frankly, if you look at, you know, the combination of, of Wiggins and Curry, I think they've only played together in 27 games. So, you know, they're all incomplete teams. And the question of who's going to be best when complete, if that's your, if that's the question that you're hanging on, I think you'd lean toward the Warriors just because they've been here before and they've done this before. Now, maybe they're aging out and maybe the thing that they need to do most, which is play defense consistently, is not just a matter of will but of skill. If that's the case, then they'll be, they'll be quickly in and out. But if, if their muscle memory and their ability to be a whole team... Uh, counts for anything there's a reason why Steve Kerr still believes that this thing can happen because they're the ones with the last parade it's not any more complicated than that would I would I bet heavily on them right now no there's no there's no evidence to suggest they are that team again this year but you're not willing to walk away from the concept and just that's insane no I mean I I don't think if Curry comes back soon enough that 15 and 9 is unreasonable, uh, and 15 and 9 is basically 625 basketball. That means you're at, you'd be playing like, like a four seed. I think they have four seed talent. They just have to show it, and they have to be able to, to provide it night in and night out. Roger in San Francisco. What do you got, Roger? Oh, uh, hey, uh, yeah, thanks for taking my call. Uh, yeah, definitely want to ring a little bit more positive of a tune. Uh, obviously, things are not going uh, to plan this year for the Warriors. But as a fan uh, of the NBA and obviously a Dubs fan, I'm really excited for the playoffs, uh, assuming we can get in, because there's absolutely no team that wants to see the Warriors in the first round. Uh, and looking past, like into the past, it, it feels like there's probably not many teams that would be in this position where they're defending champs, they're a seventh or an eighth seed, 
Um, and then they're going to take on a, a vulnerable uh, one seed, two seed with no championships, no deep playoff experience. Uh, so as a fan, I got to say, I'm, I'm really excited uh, for that prospect. So let's say they're the eight. By reputation, that feels like a very live and frisky eight seed. I would have a lot of trouble assuming it would be anything other than Denver in six. No, they wouldn't be playing Denver. Well, I mean, if if no, if they're the eight, they've got to play the seven, and then they've got they've got to go through the play-in first. No, you get through the play-in, and maybe okay. you're the seven or eight. All right. Okay, so I thought you were talking about just getting in. No, I'm talking, no, no. I'm, Once I'm they th- get out of the play-in, okay, I right, got it. now you're in. Now we've officially begun. Yeah, it would be Denver first up if you're if you're the eight. Yeah. If Denver holds on to the one. I mean, as bad as the Warriors have been on the road, that's the one place you just wouldn't want to go. No one's got a better home record than Denver. And no one's got almost as worse a road record as the Warriors do. So anyways, look, we will... I'm sure return to this for a bit tomorrow. We're going to move on and talk a little baseball with Tim Kirchin. Our first baseball conversation of spring training coming up at 445. Right now, though, Ray, I want to spend a little time on the future. Maybe not even the full NFL's future because we have a little local and sports sure are provincial to work with before we get to the big, broader, overall future of football. I saw Albert Breer has been tweeting about Trey Lance, and he, he, he tweeted, he wrote, he's reported, Trey Lance is well-liked and works his tail off. He's not as skilled a runner as the Niners had hoped, but he's a big, strong athlete. The question really is whether he can improve as a passer. He's not that natural of a thrower of the ball. But Jalen Hurts wasn't either, and he developed, so it could happen. If Lance, through his work with his personal coaches, comes back a different quarterback in the spring and lights up OTAs, I think the Niners would be thrilled. Look, I don't mean to know, duh, Albert Breer here, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, if he does well, they'll be happy. Yeah, I, I imagine they would be. Yeah, no, duh. Yeah, they would be very thrilled if the guy that they spent all that draft capital on turned out to develop at a pace that is frustrating early on here, but accelerates to the level of Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen. Like, by the time these guys got to year three, you started to think, all right, something there. Although Jalen Hurts is only in year, what, two? Yeah, Jalen Hurts is a better athlete, played at a better played in a better college program. Two. Two, actually. And I think is a better athlete. Um but you know, I'm saying that without having full knowledge of what Trey Lance can do, because nobody has any information on what he can do. Look, if they wanted He's a to, rumor about a rumor. If they wanted a running quarterback the guy who they might have taken should have been Justin Fields because Justin Fields has all the arm questions that Trey Lance has with none of the questions about mobility. Justin Fields, in a small sample size of just this year, proved that he is one of the best-running quarterbacks football's ever seen throughout a single season. Like He was an electric if only he could ever get a job in the NFL. If only he could actually play for an NFL team. Wouldn't that be nice one day? Hey, maybe they trade him to one. So uh, that, that is not, bears. not what we're talking about right now, though. Trey Lance was talking with Quincy Avery. Now, that is what? A, a former coach who's got a podcast, and Trey Lance was on this talking about how hard this season was for him multiple surgeries and obviously plenty of stress all around it's been hard you know there's days where it is really hard uh, especially being on the training table so much this year it was hard some days to stay locked in kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel honestly especially knowing you know after my first surgery getting to that point where i know i'm gonna have a second surgery i'd say that was probably the hardest stretch uh, of just from a motivation physically standpoint you know i'm my mindset is obviously I want to get as ready as I possibly can and get my body, you know, I was full lifting, lower body squats, everything like that. I just some little stuff from a balance and, and running and single leg standpoint that I just couldn't get past, you know, the little checkpoints that I couldn't get past. I knew I was going to have to the second surgery. That was the hardest. Um, but I started working with uh, one person specifically, kind of a, a mental health slash mental clarity coach, I guess you could call him. Um, and that was the biggest thing for me. 
hey, sports psychologists dot the landscape right now. And if you're, you know, at a stressful point, which obviously he's been through in his career, figuring it out and getting right in between your ears sounds like a good idea. Getting right with that arm, which remember, Ray, going into last year, there was talk of fatigue, fatigue, fatigue. Remember that old chestnut? Yeah. Well, he talked about that on this podcast. I started throwing in May because I was rehabbing my hip. So that was when I started getting the ball back in my hand in May. So I threw from May 2020 all the way through that year, draft prep, get drafted the next April. So at that point, I had been throwing for a year straight and then go through that whole season until the next January. So I'd say probably, I don't know, about 20 months straight of throwing, you know, like I said, probably a week off in there. Maybe I don't even know if I took a whole week between that whole time. But through that whole season, yeah, I threw for probably 20 months straight. All right. Well, sounds like he needs a little load management. Look, if that is what caused the still not even technically confirmed rumor of arm fatigue, but I guess he just kind of said, yeah, my arm was a little tired right there. But I never thought that it was going to be a difference or a fork in the road of who he might be as a quarterback. I don't think any element of Trey Lance's physical anything is going to determine whether or not he's going to be a successful quarterback. As a matter of fact, I think when you look at him physically, there's nothing but promise of a successful NFL quarterback there. The question is, can he see the field? Can he deliver the ball? Is he comfortable the way that Brock Purdy, who doesn't have the physicals, had a level of seeing what needed to be done in this offense and just reading and reacting quickly because of all the live football reps he had taken in college that he hadn't had. Trey Lance's problems aren't his body his kinesiology, the way that he moves, the way that he throws. Trey Lance's problems are he hasn't done it enough. Um, There's also, but there's still a question about the accuracy of his arm. I mean, Breer sort of referred to that. And I think we don't actually know how complete a quarterback Lance is. And I'm not trying to basically spit in the soup bucket, but he is at a stage now where he's going to be a rookie for the third straight year. And football is a notoriously impatient place. And the 49ers are going to be particularly impatient because their Super Bowl window or Super Bowl contender window may not stay open that much longer. These tend to close quicker than people realize. And the 49ers have already had like four years where it's been open. They get two more years realistically in front of them. Maybe. Maybe, Maybe they only have the one. Right. I just it's and I think Kyle Shanahan's decision is not going to be about anything other than what gets me closest fastest. And right now, I mean I don't know that you could say that that, that Lance is first to the trough there, just because he hasn't done anything. And it's not, you know, because he's failed, it's because he hasn't been there. Purdy, even though he has a bit of a track record, it's still only nine games. So he's not that much further along. So I have a feeling that this is going to be a genuinely annoying and open competition. It might be, but I will say that that nine-game sample size, although it's not voluminous, 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 it was definitive. Maybe, but you know what? We thought this was definitive a year ago, and it turned out not to be, too. And We had I a voluminous keep... amount of conversation about it. I do remember. Oh, no, we talked about it endlessly to the point where I wanted to put two bullets in my eyes in case the first one didn't take. But Kyle Shanahan has shown time and again that he deals with exigent circumstances. And that is, what's the thing I need now? He would like to have had this planned out for the future, but, you know, circumstances have prevented that. I mean, he wanted to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo and then not only didn't, but put him back in the starting lineup when he had to, and they were an excellent team. Uh, so I, I, what I'm saying is he's incredibly open-minded here on this because he has to be. He did clear up, I guess, one point of... Contention, controversy, whatever you want to call it. Remember when Rand Carthon, who came from the Niners organization, was elevated to the next general manager of the Tennessee Titans? And he basically 
uh, went on Instagram and gave the crossed fingers emoji, which a lot of people looked at. And because emojis are hieroglyphics and need to be interpreted and you didn't use your actual big boy adult words, everyone was like, well, what does he mean? What does he mean? Does he mean he wants to be a Tennessee Titan? Does he mean he wants to follow Rand Carthen? Blah, 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 blah. Here he is on all that. I just want to support guys. Like I repost in my Instagram today. Was, uh, this this whole season was probably more of a, a 49ers fan page than anything. You know, like just showing guys support. Ray Ray's got a cool outfit. Aziz got a cool video. Fred, whatever it was, and then obviously the Rand stuff. Uh, so me and Rand got real close over the last. I wouldn't say super close, but we we talked on the regular. Um, and he'd bring his boys in. I would hang out with his kids in the training room. So it was always for me, it was huge. Like just, I mean, they were like a shining light. Like they come in and show me how many pushups they could do and stuff like that. So just getting to know someone's family like that, I was super happy for him for the opportunity. So yeah, the fingers crossed emojis now. Like man, I'm, I'm crossing you my fingers on the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> <laughs> you just shows support. Like it's your yeah, love. Yeah. yeah, totally. Like uh, I cross my fingers, man. I, I love it here. I don't ever want to be anywhere else. So there you go. Whole bunch of much ado about nothing. One more on the uh, the queue with Quincy Avery, who was his former quarterback coach. Your podcast. That's probably my number one used emoji too. I didn't know. Kyle told me the next morning. I remember we walked into install meeting. Kyle's like, "Have you seen everything? People saying we're going to the Titans and stuff." I'm like. I'm like, man, what are you talking about? And he's like, I just saw it. He's like, this, you know, this people talking crazy. You don't know what they're talking about, whatever. He's like, he's like, I just thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Kyle thought it was funny. Now, nah, look, hey, man, when you leave a door cracked open for people to interpret things their own way, it's exactly what's going to happen. You don't even have to leave it open. Some people will just kick it down. Right. He could have actually tweeted, I never want to be a Tennessee Titan, but good luck, Ran. And someone would have said, do you think he really wants to follow Ran oh, yeah. Carthen to the Tennessee Titans? Yeah. And no, it's just, it's, you know, the narrative always precedes the fact. And sometimes when there are no facts at all, the narrative is the all the only thing you got. So uh, while we're talking quarterbacks, let me ask you this. Because... Basically, we've got seven or eight teams. No doubt about it. Seven or eight teams that are officially looking quarterback this offseason. Raiders, Jets, Titans, Panthers, Saints, Texans, Buccaneers, Colts, Washington, and maybe the Atlanta Falcons. How in love with Desmond Ritter are they? We'll find out. So we have a pretty decent handful of teams looking quarterback and Ray it's an offseason where we got a decent handful of quarterbacks looking for teams Derek Carr obviously remove him from the Raiders equation what do you got it's gonna be fascinating to find out Aaron Rodgers when he removes himself from the dark room what decision does he make and where would he land what's that look like maybe he's just right back in Green Bay I don't know Lamar Jackson, what if he were actually removed from the Baltimore Ravens or John Harbaugh? Is he still an MVP caliber player? Can he stay healthy? Would he be a plug-and-play path to success for the team that got into the Lamar Jackson business right away? Justin Fields, as we said, remove him from the Bears. What would a team be willing to trade? What kind of player would you get? Baker Mayfield. He has been removed from the team that drafted him, the team that then traded for him, and then the second team that traded for him, the Los Angeles Rams at the very end there. So a lot of humble pie is the only meal that Baker Mayfield has eaten. What does that do to his future? Jimmy Garoppolo. Ray, enough said. No need to recap any element of that. And then there's Bryce Young. Would you be more than willing to forego all the experience of all the quarterbacks that we just mentioned to take a shot at Bryce Young, the former Alabama quarterback? You know, can't help but probably notice that there are former Alabama quarterbacks dotting some pretty successful football operations right now, and he fancies himself capable of doing that one day. Who knows? It's going to be a really interesting quarterback offseason. Well, and don't forget C.J. Stroud, too, who's probably going to be the number two pick. Mm -hmm. So he's in the argument, too. And then Anthony Richardson from Florida, who's going to be picked no lower than sixth, probably. 
So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of quarterback movement. And because it's all sort of either sort of secondhand guys or quarterbacks who you can't basically bet on because the draft two years ago that had all these quarterbacks has produced almost none. And I think the movement is probably going to lead to more movement because at some point teams have to figure out what the philosophy of having a quarterback is. Do you get take one and stay with them because patience is better than impatience? I mean, do you look at Jalen Hurts as the new model? Or do you just go, I'm going to just keep doing this until I get lucky? Because that's where the Jets are right now. They took Zach Wilson believing their quarterback problems were solved. They're they're worse off now than ever. It's, you know, there is no guiding truth about quarterback acquisition that's going on in the NFL now. And I think it's more convoluted now than ever. By the way, the New York Jets fans, the NFL is already like they're just dying to put the Jets and Aaron Rodgers together. What would that look like? Uh, I would would like to tell you right now that if Aaron Rodgers were to be in New York facing that media every single day, I'm not saying it's Kyrie or Kevin Durant, but it's a disaster waiting to happen. Aaron Rodgers has been an outstanding quarterback. He was the right guy cast for the Green Bay Packers. I think he would be the wrong guy cast for the New York Jets because he's got rabbit ears. He pretends to be above it all. I think he would get eaten alive in New York. I really do. He might also get eaten alive in New York because the Jets stink. Um, who's their running back? Don't have one. Is well, Garrett he got hurt last year. What? He got hurt last year. But that's no guarantee that he's going to come back good. And the Jets haven't had an offense worth looking at in years. They don't. They don't block well. Uh, their best wide receiver, Garrett Wilson, who is okay but not special, just one offensive rookie of the year, but not somebody you're going to go. They, That's my franchise no. guy. Here's what they and got. They the, got. They got a little bit of a weapon there, and they got a defense. Yeah. But the other thing I wanted to say is, Aaron Rodgers is not by nature a patient human being. No. And if you have even young talent, which I don't think they have a lot of on that side of the ball, his withering glance is going to make that just another hellscape. I think the Jets is a terrible place just in terms of football. I mean, never mind the media. I mean, you know, they can make noise, but at this point, Aaron Rodgers gets noise on a national level. I mean, it's not like he's sequestered in Green Bay. He doesn't like the guys in Green Bay either. This is a this is a, a media problem that Aaron Rodgers has created that he would have even if he went to Jacksonville. We got ourselves a little more to get into in the quarterback department, but we're going to stow it for a minute because for the first time in a long time, we open up the old oak chest and what do you know? There's the bat. There's the ball. There are the cleats. Oh, baseball in the air. I don't even know if you can even sell spring training that romantically these days. It's a little overpriced for practice. Yeah, not at the not at the rates they charge. However, I do love some Tim Kirkchin. He joins us next for our very first baseball conversation of spring training. That's around the corner. And then we got some new rules to get into, so don't you go anywhere. Damon and Rado here on 95.7 The Game. We're brought to you by Fremont Bank. Full service banking, no compromises. and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. All of our best content, you can see it on YouTube. Search 95.7 The Game, click subscribe, and bam, you get to watch this live. Want to bask in a couple of uh, really handsome guys talking sports? Well, go find that show, because this one ain't it. But we are on YouTube. It is there for you, should you actually want it. And click the subscribe button. That'll make those who run said page 
very, very happy. Uh, it's good to have you here on Damon and Ratto. It is great to have our first official baseball conversation of spring training with one of our favorite baseball conversationists out there. From ESPN, Tim Kirkjian is nice enough to join us, the Hall of Famer, if you don't mind me saying. Tim, thank you once again. How are you, sir? I'm well, fellas. How you doing? We're doing very well. Hey, before we get into the business of why we're having you on here, congratulations. The growing Kirk Jin brood grandchild number two on the way. We just saw a video before the show started today. Congra congrats to you and yours and your son and his, and his wife. Well, thanks. This is grandchild number two. Like you said, my son Jeff is great on Twitter. He's great on, he puts all this stuff together. I'm the worst of all time at it. So I was surprised to see that show up today, but it was a very pleasant surprise. Got a lot of really nice comments on it. And so I haven't, <laughs> my daughter who gave us our first grandson, she is due with number two on opening day. Oh, geez. And then my son, Jeff, his, his wife, Emily, is due August the 4th. So we have one, and in six months, we'll have three. Well, I mean, one more, and you're hitting for the grandchild cycle at that point. So good, good <laughs> well, luck to more, you. And we're, well, we're already going to be in the zone defense pretty soon. So <laughs> they'll, they'll be on the power play very soon, but it's all good. So it is always good to have baseball around. We've actually got some new rules to talk to you about. But before we get there, before we get to broader topics, let's kind of zoom in on what was an interesting offseason for the San Francisco Giants. The Carlos Correa news aside, a lot of people are saying that the Giants had a, a yawn of an offseason. Hard to kind of argue with that unless we're maybe selling Mitch Hanniger and Michael Conforto a little bit short here. Are you seeing the Giants as a glass half full, half empty, or right in the middle? Well, I hate to put them right in the middle, but I, I kind of liked what they did in the offseason, especially with their pitching. Um, I mean, Ross Stripling had a really good year last year, and Sean Manai is an above-average major league starting pitcher. Mitch Hanniger is an above-average major league outfielder, and Michael Conforto was a really good hitter not that long ago. So I liked what they did. It wasn't great, but it doesn't match with, obviously, anything close to where the Padres are right now. They're not as good as the Giants. I mean, as the Dodgers. I don't see the Giants being one of the six best teams in the National League uh, next year. I think they're going to be a 500 team. I don't think they're going to be a solid contender. But that doesn't mean they didn't do anything in the offseason. They tried. Uh, they just didn't do enough. Carlos Carrero would have really helped. But I think we all understand to some degree why they passed on that. Um the 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 Giants' 20, projected twenty six man roster is among the oldest in baseball. Does that cause any concern when you think about how they wanted to build this team, which is with a farm system that really hasn't produced much? Yeah, that that's the concern, Ray. Is that you look at these other teams that are really young and are starting to get good, like the Orioles like the Guardians who went to the playoffs last year, won their division with an exceptionally young team. That's what you're trying to do is not only win, but win with guys who are going to be there for several more years. And the Giants just don't have that at the moment now. And I don't see it turning anytime soon, but you just got to take what you got. And right now they have a team that's a little bit old and right in the middle of the pack. It's not a good spot to be, but... A lot of teams are going to be way worse than them this year. The one and only Tim Kirkjian here on Damon and Ratto. We've been asking this question for years now. It remains a relevant question. With all the people that you've talked to, all the agents, all the players, why are the Giants consistently bridesmaids in free agency? Well, that's a good question, but, you know, the Correa... Look, I'm not going to make any excuses for the Giants, but the Correa thing was bizarre. It was unique. And we'll the, give you that. The, yeah. Right. The Mets missed out on him also. It was a strange situation, and I don't think you can give them too much heat for losing a guy who his next really hard, bad slide could lead to some really bad things. I think at least that's what I've been told. So we'll see about that. 
As for Aaron Judge, they lost a guy who wanted, I guess, to spend his whole career with the Yankees. And it's pretty hard to wedge anyone away from the Yankees when, A, they're spending just as much, if not more money, and they're the Yankees. And he just had a 62-homer season and won the MVP. So, um, yeah, I see the point. Uh, They're going to have to do better than that if they're going to catch the Padres or the Dodgers moving forward. You have to stop being the bridesmaid, as you call it. Um, but I'm not sure when that's going to happen. This was the off season for it to happen. They get Aaron Judge, and a bunch of things follow, and that simply didn't happen. How much um, damage, though, did they did they do? Maybe not only to their fan base, but just to you know the free agent market in general. When they say we won't be outbid by anybody, and then. They get outbid by the Yankees on Judge, and then they they have the highest bid on Correa, and then pull out at the last minute. Uh, is there a perception around baseball that they just don't know how to close a, a massive deal, and that they're really a team that works best on the edges? Um, yeah, I think that's that's a fair statement. Ray, because that's certainly how it looks. I think the mistake they made is coming out and say, we're not going to be outbid. You simply can't say something like that when you know the Yankees are part of this. And it's Aaron Judge, career Yankee, Aaron Judge, face of the franchise, Aaron Judge, one of the best players in the game, and one of the faces of the game. You should never say that when you know the Yankees are involved and the Yankees and Dodgers have more money and the Mets than anybody else. So maybe that was the mistake they made, was making a promise that maybe they just couldn't keep. So now we have a brand new spring training, hearkening a brand new season, and for whatever reason, baseball always insists on coming up with a new list of rules. Like, even though every fan basically agrees, don't change anything, please, not ever. Baseball continues to tinker. Maybe some of this will actually help. Uh, I don't want to go through all of it, but I want to go through some of it with you, starting with shift restrictions. For those who don't know, uh, the new rule is that the defensive team must have a minimum of four players on the infield with at least two infielders completely on either side of second base. These restrictions are intended to increase the batting average on balls in play and allow infielders to better showcase their athleticism with great glove work. Now, I I think that the death of infield action is part of the reason why baseball is slowed down, but I also hate telling a manager you can't play your best defense. I, I didn't like the shift, but I think I I like telling a manager what they can do even less than the actual shift. And one of the stories I've read here, Tim, is that managers are already looking for the loopholes in this, and we're probably going to see corner infielders standing very, very, or corner outfielders, or maybe a center fielder standing very close to the infield, sort of replicating a shift after all. Yeah, that's that's certainly possible, and that's the danger. And I spoke to a major league manager today who said anyone who thinks he knows how these things are going to work out today, all of these rules, he said we no one has any idea how this is going to go, which makes it intriguing. Look, I'm 66 years old. I hate change. I hate the ghost runner at second. I hate it, you know, extra inning, seven inning games and double headers. But I'm actually thinking since the league average was 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 243 last year and the value of the hit has gone away and the pitchers are so dominant they are overpowering the hitters on a nightly basis it's time to try something else with the shift and what you didn't mention and I know you know it is all feet have to be on the dirt in the infield when the play begins so now that big right hand left-handed hitter will just use Joey Gallo comes up and he sees Four guys lined up on the right side. And he says, well, I can't hit it through there because there are four guys over there. I have to hit it over. And that's where the big swing comes from, where all the walks, strikeouts, and homers come from, where the, the 243 average comes from. That's where 18 strikeouts a game come from. So maybe, maybe if Joey Gallo or any other big left-hander, right-hander comes to the plate, he sees a hole up the middle and he goes, I can hit a ground ball up the middle and get a hit. 
I can get a hit here. I can hit a hard grounder to the right of the first baseman and get a hit here. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking to get more hits, fewer homers, more balls in play, better defense, more running, more action. The, the time of game is not going to go from 315 to 245, but maybe there'll be a lot more action and movement in the 315. I'm not asking for your opinion on this. I'm asking for the opinions of the people in the game you've talked to. Which is the rule they find most offensive and which is the one they find the most welcome? Well, I think a lot of the pitchers find the 15 and 20 second rule to be offensive for this reason. This was explained to me by a major league pitcher today. He said, look, we're changing all the rules and, and we're throwing in a pitch clock. He said, what we should have done was learn all these other rules, the shift situation. You know, you, you can't throw over to first base in a pickoff situation more than three times. We should have learned all of these rules and then put in the pitch clock once we figured those rules out. Now we have to figure out brand new rules and we have to do it in far less time. To me, that's what most players are the most upset about is the pitch clock. And I also had a manager tell me today the hitters will be affected more by the the pitch clock than, than the pitchers will, which I found very interesting. So I find for the most part the players are okay with most of these rules. To me, the pitch clock is going to be a problem. Tim Kirchin with us here on 95.7 The Game. Damon and Ratto, welcome everyone into your 5 o'clock hour. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.